What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. How's everybody doing? Uh, if you'd like to hit us up, hit us up at Building Our PWR. Um, update. So we got some Patreons. Patreon. I can't. I'm too southern. I can't pronounce that. But thank y'all. <laughs> and with your donations, we were able to go to Kroger and pick up some things for the community fridge. Kroger was jam-packed. And the grocery store, don't get me started. Like, so much, so little could go so far just like a year ago. And now it's like, it's bad, people. But y'all know that. We all know that. Um, but thank you guys so much um, for those who contribute and those who listen or whatever. Thank you guys uh, 100%. Okay, so we're going to go back to our reading. We were at the bottom of page 146. And we're going to get into it. After World War One, international capitalism went through it an expansion phase of the business cycle. At its base were the regenerative effects of war on capitalist production and speculation. But the boom was brief. The Great War had taken the whole business of destruction of surplus to the point of diminishing returns. The years 1920 to 1925 were spent in recession and depression across the Western world. The few Years that followed from 1925 to 1929, business, quote, roared back to recovery and expansion. Industrial manufacturing around the Western world and parts of the third world, Japan, Argentina, Brazil, increased by 25%. The volume of world trade increased accordingly. However, an increase in the arts of agricultural production under the strain to modernize without a corresponding increase in the ability of the great laboring masses to buy back what was being produced precipitated a sharp fall in the price structure of foodstuffs in one of the world's largest agriculture centers, the United States. It was under consumption, not overproduction, and it led to the fatal stock market crash of 1929. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The whole Western world went into recession and deep depression. Two countries were little affected by the general breakdown. Russia, which had taken itself off the wheel with a successful socialist revolution, and Italy, which has established a strong economic centralization that tended to close her economy off from the other bourgeois states. Italy had already established fascism shortly after World War I during the 1920-25 economic crisis. That war had mobilized millions of Italians, most of whom were uprooted from the over-traditionalist sectors of the proletariat. They had gone through the changes that most other Western countries were about to adopt. The key element that made the economic policy of fascist arrangement unique was the emphasis on, quote, reform through government intervention. Reform through government intervention. The opposite of Adam Smith's invisible hand, working to coordinate economic activity. The opposite of the French revolutionary battle cry, laissez-faire. Big business was in a crisis, of course. After the short boom following World War I, 
The giant cartels and the national industrial and financial monopolies were starved to the bone in both periods of fascist rearrangements, the early 20s and all of the 30s. This gave the movement its seemingly middle-class antecedents. Where large-scale manufacturing was not in complete control, its straining to emerge as the dominant force within the economy was resisted by the petty bourgeois, the landed classes, and the medium proprietor. Here we see fascism in its out-of-power, quote, stage one. We hear its language sounding deceptively anti-capitalist. Quote, parasitic capitalism. Quote, illegitimate capital. Quote, rapacious capital, etc., etc. This was true in Italy, and with early fascism is phalangist Spain and in Germany. Mussolini, who set up the first successful fascist regime, was a man trained all of his life in the revolutionary tactics and strategies of scientific socialism. His departure from the international socialist movement dated from the moment he gave his unreasonable support to a nation-state war in which the working class of one or more nations was manipulated into the murder of the working class of other nations by the ruling classes of the respective states. His opposition to the Socialist Party and his participation in reformist capitalism were no doubt due to the factionalism and basically reformist attitude of the Socialist Party. In spite of the fact that socialists had won 156 seats in the chamber in the elections of 1919, over 50% more than the next largest political party, the Catholic Popular Party, and won majorities in the council of 2,202 communes in 26 provinces, there were 8,507 communes in 69 provinces, in the general administration elections of the following year, and in spite of the fact that the Socialist General Confederation of Labor had grown from 300,000 members before World War I to almost 2.5 million members in 1920, the Socialists still seemed powerless to solve the nation's economic problems with the promised revolution. In, the 19, in 1920, the Socialist Party seized control of all the nation's steel manufacturing plants, but, incredibly, returned them to the private interests. Several accounts claim that the workers couldn't run the plants. But if the markers of steel can't make steel, obviously it was a problem of direction and management in the Vanguard Party. There were strikes, slowdowns, lockouts, and the kind of disorders that precede revolution or counter-revolution. In the years following, the war and during the early depression of 1920 to 1925, Italy could have gone either socialist or fascist. There were partisans enough in both parties to lead the uprooted, disintegrating society into a new direction. The difference was in the nature of leadership along with the question of who would be willing to commit their whole fortunes and futures to the battle. Mussolini took his black shirt army and moved to the fight, killing and suppressing his opposition for the interests of an alarmed industrial traditionalist elite. He was well-educated in the science of positive mobilization, which made him the natural architect of a contra-positive mobilization intended to diffuse the working class movement. He, quote, seized power in 1922 with full support of the northern industrialists, the petty bourgeois, and the older traditionalists 
agrarian interests. The 1921 elections left his party with only 35 seats out of the possible 535 in the parliamentary body. But by applying violence judiciously and scientifically, as he had learned from Lenin, he was able to force the abdication of the king and the constitutional monarchy and form the first political regime representing the new direction of capitalist development. Quote, eyes right. He pumped bullets into the old left and new life into capitalism. The people were to exist solely for the state, the ruling class. This was the very antithesis of socialism. This period marked the, quote, second face of fascism, the, quote, dark night, when it was still insecure. But it went on to develop a, quote, closed economy with directed investment in public works projects. It proceeded to fill the economic vacuum with surplus capital and supranationalism. Believe, fight, obey. Stay protected in the industries, mainly in munitions and shipbuilding. Italy extended her power facilities and opened new marginal agricultural land for its new slaves. New educational facilities and new, quote, educators. Out of 1,250 university professors, only 12 refused to take the academics oath of loyalty to the regime in 1931. We're also part of the reforms. Taken all together, the reforms turned out to be extreme reaction. The government of 1870 had seized the papal states. The regime brought back the old religion. In 1929, in spite of the unrewarding experiences of World War I, the regime was allowed to make war again in Africa and Europe. This marked the, quote, third face of fascism, in power and secure. The point here is that fascism emerged out of a weakness in the pre-existing economic arrangement and in the old left. And the weakness must be assigned to the vanguard party, not the people. The People's Party failed to direct the masses properly with positive suppression of their class enemies and their goons. Mussolini was able to proclaim that fascism held the only solution to the people's problem by default. Fascism, the new arrangement, the rearrangement, the strengthening and reforming of laissez-faire competitive capitalism was anti-socialist from its inception. It attempted to conceal the reality of class struggle by disguising itself as a new solution to the, quote, national problems, by deifying the interests of the, quote, whole state, which turned out to be the interests only of the state's ruling classes. And, um, yeah, I would like to go back to that because, yeah, we saw this in real time. In a shorter amount of time. With us. Now granted a lot of us. Weren't. When a lot of this stuff started happening. And bumbling in. 2020. My my years get. The COVID years. They get messed together. When all the, the uprisings and stuff was happening. A lot of us. Me included. I wasn't all the way there yet. I was still a sock down you know I still thought well maybe you know AOC well maybe you know Bernie Sanders I was starting to get disillusioned but I still kind of was like well maybe there's a way for electoral politics to work you know in the beginning and so 
But throughout the process, obviously, I became radicalized. But what I'm saying is, it's still my fault. It's still everybody who claims to be fighting for liberation's fault. Did you notice what he was talking about with the dude? He was talking about the anti-capitalist Mussolini. Everybody, they was using that anti-capitalist rhetoric. Oh, it sounds familiar. Oh, parasitic capitalism. Oh, the eels. Oh, we need to come together. Oh, we can we can use the government and we can invest in these social programs and that will be that will be the way that we'll get this nation right. Oh, this. Oh, that. It's, it's all the same. And what does it sound like? It don't necessarily sound like the Republicans. That sound like the Democrats' playbook. Playbook. Reform, 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 reform. That's fascism, too. And we should be treating it the exact same way we treat the damn Republicans. It's the same stuff, the same, all part of the same coin. And one of the biggest things that we are responsible for, that is our fault, is allowing the Democratic Party to take talking points from our beliefs and what we feel, what our goal is on liberation, but allowing that to be co-opted so that they can push some we for the people bullshit and eventually funnel people back into the state that's on us that's on me and it and it's happened before it's happened plenty of times the the left it, it, it we in the west right now we just ain't got it but we have to get it we have to get ourselves together because this is ridiculous it's it's really ridiculous I, i'm I'm going to talk about them Tennessee boys a little bit later. (laughs) Talk about them Tennessee boys a little bit later. Okay. Fascism is always a response to a threat to the establishment. Any anti-establishment actions taken by strictly political arm of a forming fascist arrangement are simply attempts to centralize or upstage the capitalist industrial sector, either to establish it, as in Spain, or to modernize it as in those cases where marginal productive interests are absorbed or destroyed by the arrangement. It is significant to note that no fascist regime in power has advocated the abolition of any form of private ownership. The fascist regime and private ownership work hand in hand. No modern political regime can exist for long without the cooperation of those who control the means of production. The shock troops of fascism on the mass political level are drawn from members of the lower middle class who feel the upward thrust of the lower classes more acutely. These classes feel that any dislocation of the present economy resulting from the upward thrust of the masses would affect their status first. They are joined by the sector of the working class which is backward enough to be affected by nationalist trappings and the loyalty syndrome that sociologists have termed the authoritarian personality. One primary aim of the fascist arrangement is to extend and develop this new pig class to degenerate and diffuse working class consciousness with a psychosocial appeal to man's herd instincts. Development and exploitation of the authoritarian syndrome is at the center of totalitarian capitalism, fascism. 
It feeds on a small but still false sense of class consciousness and the need for community. The collective spirit in fascism is a morbid phenomenon that grows out of the psychopathological pathology of mob behavior. Interesting, interesting. With each development in the fascist arrangement, the marriage between the political elite and economic elite becomes more apparent. The integration of the various sectors of the total economic elite becomes more pronounced. The Romanian Iron Guard was no exception. It would have eventually bedded down with the owners and financiers and integrated the archaic sectors of the traditionalist capitalist elites with the modern sector had it not encountered the Red Army. The generals and colonels of the various Latin American fascist regimes are attempting contrapositive mobilization and functioning as an instrument to balance the interests of the traditionalists with the more modern sectors of the neo-colonial nations. It is very misleading to regard them as the, quote, ruling class of such nations or to consider them as part of a populist movement. As in Romania and Spain, state intervention simply serves the best interests of a diminishing capitalist ruling class by restructuring it and destroying the people's labor movement. Capitalist political regimes cannot exist of their own. Without the support of government, capitalism simply could not prevail. Perrin was a fascist. The peace he worked out between labor and owner was subtle and disguised, but nonetheless fascist in that it appeased and diffused the workers' resentment of the non-worker and affected a quite efficient counter-positive mobilization. Perrin maintained an apparent popular appeal throughout his years as head of state because of the vanguard party's willingness to settle for reformism and tokens in a less-than-junior partner relationship with capital. His arrangement of the fascist state was indeed singular. Like the USA, the original structure of the society in which he had to work his scientific manipulations had only one available sector large enough and uprooted enough without strong left direction to carry his movement, labor. Perón, the fascist, found his strongest support in labor. He was finally deposed when he lost the favor of the economic elite. At heart, all fascist manipulators are elitists and revere private ownership. They are backward and reactionary to the ultimate extreme of self-destruction. Pern might have held on to his position had he chosen to serve the laboring class honestly and make it a genuine power base for the society, one which truly embraced their interests by nationalizing the productive facilities and turning them over to labor's management. But fascists would rather die or flee than support the total revolution. So they must be slain. (sighs) Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. What what can you say? Let's talk about Peron. I never even heard this guy before. The peace he worked out between labor and owner was subtle. In disguise, but it was still fascist. The goal, the goal was to appease and diffuse the workers' resentment of the capitalists. That was it. 
and by do, by doing that, it was that he was fascist. The goal was to keep keep the ruling class in power, not shake nothing up. Keep us pacified. Whether it's with the social program, whether it's with the nonprofit, whether it's with the line dance, whether it's with BET. Mm-mm. That's the goal. And even when they do the little rah, 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 after they get through doing the rah, 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 and you're like, okay, what's next? Are we going to destroy the government? They will lose it. They will lose it because, no, no, no. The rah, rah, rah was just for me. After I get what I need, then we good. We ain't got to destroy America because I'm doing good. No, no, no. I want to keep my power. Stuff is Gucci here. Something to look out for. Something to look out for. I'm going to read a little bit more and then we're going to close out of here. The very first step in establishing the, quote, whole interest of the state, the combined, the corporate state, is to dismantle the working class movement and replace it either with a state control organ or no organization at all. The corporate laws passed in Italy in 1934 served only to sanction the complete destruction of the proletarian movement. At the same time, they set up an automatic defense mechanism against the future labor activity. In disputes, labor was represented by men sworn either to the state or without the skill and intelligence to affect labor's demands. The manufacturing class had long since literally married into the regime. In Italy, the fascist party cadre spread throughout the nation, the nation organizing people left aimless by the failure of the positive mobilization of the socialist vanguard parties. People who had dropped out Defected, people who had been uprooted and unemployed either by the war or the deflated economy. This organizing must be considered contrapositive mobilization in that its intent was to inflate the capitalist economy and deflate the workers and people's influence and control over the economy. With easy credit, inflationary financing, and increased government sponsorship of public works projects, Fascism in Italy, Germany, and Japan succeeded in reconstructing capitalist productive institutions and traditional property relations. After the takeover, Italy recovered rapidly from the 1920-25 post-war depression. The ordinary complexities created by inflationary budgeting did not immediately manifest themselves because of the pre-existing state of the economy. The untapped productive factors, capital and labor, were grinding to a standstill. Cost of living and cost of production under these circumstances did not immediately rise to the point of crisis, diminishing returns for capital, decrease in real wages of labor. Later in both Italy, 1925-26, and Germany, 1937-38. This inflationary budgeting showed damaging trends and set off a chain reaction in Germany that may have eventually led to its downfall. However, the heart of the fascist economy is an attempt at control through centralization, monopoly capital control, price fixing, wage freezes, and carefully balanced foreign trade. Okay, we're going to end there. That was almost the bottom of 155. Um, We will return to this reading next week, Lord willing. Um, Okay, so let's talk about it, guys, because I know everybody wants to talk about it. Uh, the Tennessee Three.
the Tennessee three. Let's tie that back. Let's tie that back to what we've been talking about, guys. Let's tie it back. Okay. So far, I've seen Tyler Perry reposting the guys singing, yes. I've seen all type worn out ass, which I've seen everybody. I've seen all the liberals in love, foaming at the mouth, slobbing that these, these people are out here. And I see the performativeness. I see the performativeness. That one dude, he's from Memphis, okay. That dude ain't never talked like that. In my life, somehow, over the course of a week, he sounds like an 80-year-old preacher. He got the whole aesthetic going on. And they're parading these guys around like this is the revolution. Think about this. Two workers of the state, two political pawns, two workers of this capitalist white supremacist ass state got kicked out by some more capitalist white supremacist politicians. And somehow, it's a lynching, they said. They called it a lynching, and then somehow... That has something to do with us. And so much so that we need to boycott businesses so that these two people that have political power, that work for this state, can go back, work among these white supremacists, and get nothing done again. Because they won't get nothing done at first. And they're going to go back and not get nothing done. But this is, this is our fight. And, and even though the Republicans show all this power and they were able to do this, this is a win for the Democrats. And you see they're rejoicing. You see they're happy. Why? Because this is a money-making opportunity. They're going to milk this junk like a cow. They're going to milk this junk so much. Because that's all that it's about. But they're telling us. They want the Memphis Grizzlies to stop playing basketball until two politicians can go back to work. This is, this is, these are the pressing issues of Tennessee. These are the pressing issues of Memphis. The evictions? The homelessness? The, the, the schools, the children, the, the abuse? The violence, the poverty, none of that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. What do you want the Grizzlies to do? None of that. They didn't even call up the Grizzlies. They didn't even call up the Grizzlies and, and ask for nothing. These two men in power. Oh, yeah, we got to get them back to their jobs. Grizzlies, FedEx form, everybody. Boycott. But it wasn't enough when the working class people were struggling. They've been, we've been struggling this whole time. Horrible living conditions. Horrible working conditions. That's not a story. This is a story. Because this is a money-making opportunity. And this is fascism. Doing what fascism does. Mm -hmm. We know stuff is bad. Again, we know stuff is bad. 
we can either go one way. We can say you point the finger at this person. They're the reason that this stuff is going horrible. Or we can say things are good. Look, look, look. Don't don't you worry about this system. Don't you be looking and asking why things are the way they are. Don't you be shaking your fist at the government unless it's something that we want you to shake your fist at. Things are going well. Look, look. Democracy. Come outside and go protest at the state capitol and show your power. That's how you show your power. Go vote. That's how you show your power. They just keep continuing to herd everybody back to electoral politics. Herd. It's manufacturing consent. Nobody was even studying EFO. But now that the media has them out here toting them like they Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. This is what we should be focused on. And somehow, their fight, getting back into a chair, is going to help us materially, immediately for the rest of our lives. Them people got elected, I didn't even know that they were elected. It didn't affect my life. They're not in the chairs no more. My life still ain't affected. But that's, that's, that's America. And... Stuff like that, especially when it comes, like, for people from Memphis, like, we went with the Tyree Nichols thing. It's, it's so hard to not want to throw something. Because you have all these people, not only in Memphis, all these liberal suckers doing what they do. But then you have all these people from all over that don't even live in Memphis, all over America, that's over here and coming up with these great narratives of the racism and the white supremacy in Tennessee and how these men are going to be the faces of this and the faces of that. Nobody has asked the poor, the working class people, what do you think about this? Oh, you don't, you don't give a fuck. Interesting. Why not? Oh, because you got this, you got your kids, you got the this, you got the that. No. <sighs> Guys, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. It, it's, it's just so annoying. That's really all that it is. It's annoying. But we know the liberals going to do what the liberals do. So, for us, it's just continuing to call it out. Just continue to call it out. And continue to educate people. That's all we can do right now. Because there's a major voice. The media is pushing certain narratives to have our eyes not on the prize. Representation will not save us. Your life will not be changed because two black men are back in government. Your life will not be changed if a trans woman becomes president. Your life will be changed when this country is gone. All right, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can hit us up at Building Our PWR um, on all social media channels. Um, again, if you'd like to donate to the work we're doing in the community, you can do so. Link is in the description as well as the Patreon information. Thank you guys again so much for the, the patrons um, for donating. Um, this has been Gabby, and this has been Building Our Power.